0: today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag.
1: The way he sees her, well, he sees her quite differently. She's a a lily among thorns. And here's the takeaway from verse 2. That's how Jesus sees us. We might see ourselves as nothing special, but in His eyes? we, We might see ourselves as a common lily of the valleys, but We're a lily among thorns. We are
0: precious in His sight. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Song of Songs. Many people feel pretty simple, fairly common, in fact. Sometimes it's hard to feel unique or valued when you look around you. However, as Pastor J.D. explains today, God sees you as perfect, unique, Wonderful! Don't find your worth from the world, but from God, who loves you immensely. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Song of Songs, Chapter 2, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth.
1: We are in the book of the Song of Solomon, uh, a.k.a. the Song of Songs. Last week started this most fascinating study through this most interesting book, so we will make it through chapter 2. As we're going to see here shortly, chapter 2 paints this poignant picture of all the delights and all the pleasures of being alone with Jesus. I chose to word it that way and even title the teaching that way, specifically, Alone with Jesus for a reason. And that reason is, is that throughout this book, there's this cry almost, if you will, to come away. Just let's, let's be together. Let, let's shut everything and everyone out, and let's just be together, and be alone together. And that's what this book is about. It's, it's a love song. <laughs> it's not a silly love song. It's a love song. And as I mentioned last week, I chose to teach this book as such, as a love song about our relationship with Jesus, but there are woven throughout the fabric of this song, of this book, many truths related to the marriage relationship as well, between a husband and a wife, and even between a husband and a wife-to-be. So. What I'm going to do, and I I have to confess, this is probably one of the most difficult books I've ever taught through, Uh, maybe for what would be deemed obvious reasons, but there's just so much in the book. And I want to do my best to highlight the truths that have application to our lives today, particularly as it relates to the marriage relationship, But at the same time, I don't want to lose focus or blur or even mar what I believe the main point of this book is, and why it is, I think, that we even have this book included in the canon of Scripture. Why do we have this book in our Bibles? God deemed it necessary of all of the songs that Solomon wrote, and we're told that he wrote 1,005 songs. And of all of those 1,005 songs, God deemed it necessary to include this one song of Solomon in Scripture, in the pages of Holy Writ. So clearly there's a reason, and I think that reason is chiefly that of the picture it paints of our relationship, our love for the Lord, and perhaps more importantly, the love that the Lord has for us. So again, one more thing and we'll jump in. I, I want to, how do I say this? I don't want to in any way be inappropriate, because clearly we're, we're dealing with, as we're going to see tonight, some delicate subject matter, you know, for mature audiences only, uh, as they say. But at the same time, Uh, I want to be appropriate, but I don't want to be appropriate at the expense of kind of skimming over or dancing around the intensity of our intimacy with Jesus. Again, as we're going to see and and talk about. Uh, I know I already said just one more thing, but one more thing before we jump in. Um, And this is important. And again, I want to be very uh, sensitive in how I Uh, communicate this, but God made sex beautiful. God created sex. Satan perverted sex. And it's so sad. The lives of people that have been destroyed because of this beautiful gift of sex that God has given, the husband, and the wife within the context of the marriage relationship. Probably one of the best illustrations I ever heard of this was that of a fire. Now, of course, on the mainland, this is more apropos, but think of it like this. You have this fire on a cold winter night, and it's there in the fireplace or the wood stove, and oh, it's so cozy and warm and beautiful and wonderful. But you take that same fire and you take it out of the wood stove, out of the fireplace, and you put it right smack in the middle of the family room right there, it's going to burn the house down. That fire is sex. In the context of the marriage relationship, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. (laughs) But you take it outside of that and its destruction cannot be overstated. So that's kind of a preface in a way of what we're going to see here. So let's jump in. Are you ready? (laughs) Some of you are going, wow, what an intro. Well, it gets better. Verse 1, I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. Now at first read, verse 1 would almost sound like, wow, that's beautiful. Not so fast. Her description of herself, the way that she sees herself, is self-deprecating. There's nothing extraordinary about me. I'm as common as the lily of the valley. I'm as common as the rose of Sharon. I, I don't stand out. There's nothing special about me. I'm just very common, very normal. (laughs) I don't stand out. That's how she sees herself. Now listen to his response, verse 2, like a lily among thorns. Oh, you call yourself a lily of the valley, A, a common flower. Well, you might be a lily, but you're a lily among thorns. In other words, in comparison, they're all thorns if you're a lily. That's pretty good, guys. You might want to take note of that one. (laughs) Because this is a biggie. and We'll talk about this in a moment. When it comes to the husband-wife relationship, be very careful, guys, when you start comparing your wife to other women. They take note of that so is my love among the daughters. Now notice that his response is contrary. I mean really it could be argued that it's the polar opposite of how she sees herself. She sees herself as just ordinary, and nothing, you know, spectacular or stunning about her. And the way he sees her? Well, he sees her quite differently. She's a a lily among thorns. And here's the takeaway from verse 2, that's how Jesus sees us. We might see ourselves as nothing special, but in His eyes? We might see ourselves as a common lily of the valleys, but we're a lily among thorns. We are precious in His side. Uh, you know that parable that Jesus taught, the pearl of great price? If you're anything like me, you probably heard it taught as that when you find the Lord, He's the pearl of great price, and you sell everything so you can buy the field, right? No, wrong. You know who the pearl of great price is? Us. And He sells everything forsakes everything, gives up everything, it costs him everything so he can purchase us. That's because that's how he sees us. Again, I'm going to, hope this isn't too discombobulating as I go back and forth between the typology of our relationship with Jesus and his love for us, And the practical application to the marriage relationship between a husband and a wife, I hope it's not too discombobulating. I'm going to kind of go uh, back and forth. But this is very important when it comes to the marriage relationship. It's been referred to as the three A's, guys. Your wife cannot survive without them. The three A's. They are affirmation, attention, and affection. Affection. If your wife, husband, does not have affirmation, affection, and attention, she will wither away. She will wither away, because that's how God made her. That's how she not only survives, but that's how she thrives. Think of it as a plant. You water that plant, and it grows, and it blossoms, and it's beautiful, and it's fragrant when you water it with affection, attention, and affirmation. And there's no such thing. Here's the thing that I'm learning. And listen, I, please, I, I hope I never come off as, listen, I've been married for 32 years, you know, being the godly husband that I am. I mean, I, I have arrived. Oh, goodness. I'll just give you my wife's email address. She'll set you straight. Nothing could be further from the truth. <laughs> 32 years of marriage. And here's what I'm learning. I have a lot to learn. But one of the things I'm learning, present tense, not past tense. (laughs) One of the things I'm learning is there's no such thing as too much affirmation. There's no such thing as too much affection. That's the way God made them as your wife, husband. And there's especially no such thing as too much attention. Here's the thing, and this is a very important principle when it comes to the marriage relationship. I'm speaking to the husband's. And wives, please don't elbow your husbands. And you online, we can see you online, don't do that. So here's the thing, this is a very important principle. It's one for which I wish I would have known earlier on in our marriage. Your wife, husband, has to know that she is the most important person in your life next to Jesus Christ. If she does not feel like she's the most important person in your life next to Jesus, oh my goodness, you can write the next chapter of that, I don't know what to call it, um, horror. is <laughs> horrible. It's, it's a nightmare. Because if, if she's not secure in that, and we're going to see that here in a moment, if she's not secure in your love for her, that she's not the, the most important person. Here, here's what happens with guys. Um, I speak from experience. I have I've learned the hard way and I have the scars to prove it. Um, if, if your work is more important than her, if your friends are more important than her, or how about this one? If golfing is more important than her, oh, you chuckled. No, think about it. In other words, and and wives, it's you know, the world calls it women's intuition. I hate it when the world hijacks, you know, a a biblical truth. God has given women this discernment, this keen discernment, this intuitive sense that men don't have, by the way. Which is why it is, guys, by the way, uh, that when you have your wife and she's not in agreement with you, and you've got this important decision, you want to just move forward, and just kind of run over the top of her. And and she said, well, I just don't feel at peace about it. Well, come on, what are you talking about? You don't feel at peace about it. Yeah, I just, I, something's not quite right. What do you mean something's not? What is a no-brainer. What's the matter with you? Submit, woman. Oh. That's what I'm talking about, scars. Oh, man, if I... If back in the early days before I entered the ministry, when I was in the business world, if I had the money that I lost making a decision without my wife's blessing, all under the banner of, I don't feel a peace about it. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't even want to think about it. I don't even want to know why I went there. So here's here's the husband, because we think logically, you know. Okay, so can can you give me the reasons? No, I, I can't. I just, something doesn't feel right. Really? It doesn't feel right? <laughs> and, so, and so what do you do? You dismiss it? You, you dismiss her? <sighs> Hopefully you don't, you know, I ah, hope you're not condescending with her. Well, what do you know anyway? And you go ahead and you do it anyway? Oh, you'll rue the day because it won't be long when all of a sudden you realize, you wake up one day and you go, oh my goodness. See here's the thing, she's your helpmate. Let it sink in. She's there to help you, husband, and God has given you, given her that intuition, that discernment that He's not given you and you need her, and she will sense something, and that's the Lord saying, through your wife, don't do it. And and here again, when you dismiss them, and mow over them, and go ahead without them, and you do it, what are you saying to them? Uh, you don't matter how you feel doesn't matter. You know one of the most, uh, it, I don't think it's right to say this this way, but uh, because I don't want to say I, I hate this Bible verse, because how's that one, you know? I hate You hate the word? No, I just, I, I hate what this verse means to me and how it convicts me. I hate, the. that's better. Good save. I hate the conviction that this verse uh, brings when Peter says, husbands, dwell with your wives in an understanding way because they are joint heirs. They're the weaker vessel, not inferior, not spiritually certainly, physically, but they're joint heirs. And here's the thing, if you dismiss them, and you are not understanding with them, and you don't listen to them, you do so to your own peril. And and this is where it makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up, presupposing you still have hair back there. But uh because if you don't, your prayers will be hindered. Have you ever thought about that? You ever wonder why maybe those prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling and God's not even hearing them, let alone answering them. Maybe that's why. Maybe it's because of the way that I'm dwelling with my wife. I am not giving her that which she needs. You know in the Proverbs it's it's quite stunning actually. There are these things that the earth cannot stand up under that are just too incredible to even comprehend, uh, let alone to wrap your mind around. They're not good things. You know, one of the things on that list is a wife that's not loved by her husband. The earth cannot stand up under that. An unloved wife. You know, in Ephesians, (laughs) I do this with weddings, And um, sometimes I just get up in the groom's uh, grill when I do, but in love, (laughs) because that's what Paul says in Ephesians, husband, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. Three times. He never says to the wife, wife, love your husband. No, he says to the wife, after he says to the husband, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her love your wife as you love yourself. I have yet to meet a guy that doesn't love himself. He's into himself. Love and and nourish and cherish your wife as you love and nourish and cherish your own body. And that's pretty tall order. Then after he says that three times, he says to the wife, just one sentence, it's so unfair, imbalanced. One time he says to the wife, and wives respect your husbands. That's it? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Really? Yeah. Here's how it works. You show me a husband that loves his wife that way, I'll show you a wife that respects her man. Mm. Again, I have yet to meet a man who doesn't want his wife to respect him. Show me some respect. Well, love me and I will. Oh, you need to respect me first. No, 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 that's not what, how it works. First, you have to love me. Three times. <laughs> okay, this is not a teaching on marriage. and We need to keep moving. So, verse 3, like an apple tree among the trees of the woods, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down in his shade with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste." Oh my, who A little bit, getting a little bit warm in here, turned the AC up. This is very poetic, very picturesque imagery of the sweet delight, taste of the Lord, and see that he is God. The sweet delight he brings. And and notice, I don't know if you caught this or not, but in chapter 1 she's working in the vineyard, a common laborer, tanned by the sun, which by the way was not in in that day. It is in our day. If you're tanned, that's cool. But if you're white, not cool. It was the opposite in that day. If you were milk white, cool. You're royalty, you're nobility. But if you're tanned, you're just a common laborer. And she's almost like ashamed of her, you know, darkness from being out in the sun as a common laborer, laboring and working and toiling. That was chapter one. But now, here in chapter two, oh, she's not laboring. She's delighting and resting in the shade, made in the shade, if you will, under the tree of her beloved.
0: You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in as we study the Word of God together. As we continue to learn from Song of Songs with Pastor J.D., we pray that you are overwhelmed by the love God has for you. His love is deep, and His love is never-ending. Some tend to shy away from this book, but the picture of love in it should not be avoided. God is love. If you're not part of a local loving church that you can call home, we encourage you to find and begin regularly attending one in your area. And if you're in or near the Kaneohe area, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions, to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on our website, in inspiritandtruthradio.com. While you're there, you can also find more of Pastor JD's teachings like you heard today. Check out his weekly prophecy updates and the ABCs of salvation, too. This is a simple guide to sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of Song of Songs together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know how we can be doing that for you? Just fill out the contact form that you'll find under the About tab at inspiritandtruthradio.com or come find us on social media. There's a link to our Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube pages on our website. And we encourage you to follow them so you can stay up to date with all that's happening at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe and In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for joining us for this in-depth, verse-by-verse study of Song of Songs on In Spirit and Truth.